Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Yeah, so that's still going on. The uh, the team baby beheading rapists, uh, the defenders of Hamas uh, in the local Charlotte leftist community. They uh, yeah, they're they're continuing to swarm. I love when they uh, there was there's a reference about how oh you know everybody over here at WBT. I saw one of these idiots. They're like oh everybody at BT uh, that station stinks now. I remember when it was awesome when. Larson and Hancock were there, and I, re- I remember they used to say the same things to Larson and Hancock. This is the problem. I've like I've been here for like twelve of the last twenty years. I used to work here. I know all those people. They said the same thing to them. They said the same thing to me about they. Oh, you're no Henry Bogan. Like it was just different names. They think and they think it's an insult. Like I'm supposed to be offended or. Worried that, oh, my gosh, I'm not this other person. I'm not that other person. No. you, you They wouldn't want that. I don't want that. And you wouldn't want that. Why would you? And on the one hand, I love, like, someone, you get accused of trying to be like somebody, but then also attacked for not being like them at the same time. It is one of the, <laughs> it's one of the kind of sort of weird dynamics that occur. Um particularly among the leftists. Anyway, um, I was watching the uh, United Nations here just because, you know, I'm a giver and you don't want to watch it, so I didn't. But there was a guy and he just kept going on and on and on and on, on and on and on. He just kept on talking. And then I realized, oh, he's from Gabba on. So that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you're from a country called Gab on, it makes sense that you're just going to keep talking. Uh, but then there was this fellow. Let me see if he's still on here from Albania. They were hoping to trigger a massive yeah, yeah, yeah. response from So this Israel, is him. Hang on a second. Well, let me see if I can back up. I'm going to back this, this up a little bit because he started saying some pretty good stuff. And um, I'm not going to do much of this audio, just this one little bit, because I was watching it just as I was getting on the air. And I thought this was some pretty good stuff. And to the briefers for the sober description of the situation on the ground. He's from Albania. The terrible events of October 7th represent the deadliest single attack on Israel's history. Albania stands with Israel, like with every other nation under attack, in its legitimate right to self-defense in accordance with international humanitarian law. In such difficult and defining moments, Israel and its people need the support of the community of free nations in responding to terrorists who have committed horrible crimes, and continue to question its right to exist. We profoundly believe that there is a way to ensure the security of Israel and ensure the protection of innocent civilians. Innocent lives matter equally, be that Israeli or Palestinian. This is why every measure and every precaution must be taken not to harm those who don't deserve it, those whose lives have been put in danger by Hamas and other terrorists and extremists. Hamas. Their leaders who live a comfortable life outside Gaza and their supporters knew very well what they were doing when they unleashed the beasts to kill, burn, massacre, and kidnap everyone they could. 
They were hoping to trigger a massive response from Israel, knowing very well that civilians would be caught in the middle. Their hope and their win would be to make the world turn against Israel. But we must not be fooled. There is only one party that is rejoicing with what is happening. It is the country known to sponsor of terrorism in Gaza, in the West Bank, in Yemen, in Lebanon, in Syria, anywhere they can. It is the country that is known for and continues to destabilize the entire Middle East. Mr. President, Iran, Albania condemns any justification and glorification of the terrorist attacks. It is crystal clear that the aim of Hamas is not to protect the Palestinians. Their actions do not represent them. Therefore, it is high time for all Palestinians to realize that their fight to self-determination, their dream for statehood, their aspirations for a better life in security and dignity will never be realized with Hamas and the likes. They must be the first to turn against acts of horror, against the unacceptable and the unjustifiable. All right, so that's the guy from Albania. I think that's his official position, the guy from, I guess, the ambassador from Albania. I was surprised. I mean, you got Albania. I don't know if they're going alphabetical. Well, no, because Gabon was on. He, he was up first. And uh, Blinken, Anthony Blinken spoke for a little while, too. Um, so uh, what did we see yesterday? We saw um, a couple more hostages uh, were released by Hamas, which is weird because I guess they found them. Because remember, immediately after the attack two weeks ago, uh, they said they, they had no idea where the hostages were. They're like, that's the militant wing. I have no, huh? like, I'm over here in, in Qatar. I, I, I don't, I don't know where they're, you know, storing all of the hostages. What, I mean, what are they detainees? They're not even, they're visitors. Tourists, if you will. Involuntary tourists. Well, they released two. Some elderly women. Yosheved Lifshitz, uh, 85 years old, she was uh, abducted and thrown over the back of a motorcycle. First of all, they first, you know, punched her in the ribs and then threw her over the back of the motorcycle, uh, legs on one side, head on the other. Um, and then they drove her back into Gaza uh, and then they uh, hit her. They roughed her up a little bit more and then forced her to walk several kilometers on the wet ground of a spider web of underground tunnels. Sky News, which is out of Australia, says she went through hell, she said. She actually said it was like a living hell. Um, but, okay, uh, Hamas militants, so Sky News using the militant word, treated hostages gently in captivity and looked after our needs. They were allowed to wash and eat. They gave us pita bread hard cheese, some low-fat cream cheese, and cucumber. Well, you got to have the dietary fat. Why are you going low-fat cream cheese? That's not necessary. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the only cream cheese that came through the blockade. I don't know. The blockade that is apparently so ineffective that they were able to arm themselves to the teeth to commit the atrocities on October 7th. But I digress. The group seemed really prepared, she said, and it appeared the operation had been planned for a long time. Yes, it had been. In fact, there were manuals drawn up. They were trained for this. In fact, also, they were offered $10,000 per hostage they brought back and an apartment in the open-air prison, an apartment. Do you see what Hamas incentivizes? Right? This is the way you get ahead. If you die, 
killing Jews. They pay your family. They have created an entire incentive structure. This is why I call it a death cult. She criticized the Israeli Defense Forces and said they did not take the threat of Hamas seriously enough before the dawn raids on uh, October 7th. She claimed the militant group had sent a warning weeks before sending balloons with fire and burning our fields. The IDF did not take that seriously. She was taken uh, along with her husband and uh, another couple. That woman was released, Nurit Cooper. Uh, She was released And they say they're releasing these women for, quote, humanitarian reasons. That's what Hamas said. Because we all know when you think humanitarian, you think Hamas. By the way, Ms. Lifshitz is uh, one of the founders of the kibbutz, the Near Oz kibbutz. She's a photographer and a photography teacher. Her grandson also described her as a peace activist who, with her husband, helped sick Palestinians in Gaza get to hospitals for years. Somebody who spent their life helping the Palestinians were abducted. Now, she was released, and I do wonder if her comments after her release uh, may be, I don't know, just a smidge uh, colored just a wee bit by the fact that her husband is still being held captive. And do you think if she... She says some bad stuff about Hamas now. Not that I think she would if she was trying to help Palestinian people. Maybe she's got a soft spot for the terrorists. I don't know. But they released her. She's 85. They released her after roughing her up a bit. Granted, granted, mistakes were made. Let's move on. And uh, I think, though, that she may, I don't know, have a bit of an interest in not agitating the terrorists. The husbands are still being held... um, in somewhere in Gaza, probably in the tunnels. She says that's where she was kept. Um, and Hamas uh, said that they will release more hostages. Maybe we could release some more hostages if the Israeli air campaign is slowed down. Can you can you just turn that down a bit? Maybe turn it off. Maybe just maybe cease fire. And then maybe we'll give you another one or two hostages. How about that? So this is the play. And this is why they created the manuals. This is why they trained, right? This is why they took the hostages. They want to be able to dole them out for stuff from the Israelis or the world community. Two American hostages were released. So now there are a total of four hostages, all females, that have been released. And if you just allow Hamas more time to get some more rockets, do some more planning, reload, they will release a couple more, maybe. And then, of course, they will, you know, wage more jihad against Israel. But, you know, baby steps. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. 
Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, All righty, so I do have some audio from Jordan Peterson I'm going to play in the second hour. You're going to want to hear it. It's a message that he uh, wrote to the Muslim world. Also, uh, we heard um, in the U.N. and we were hearing from the Biden administration that they're trying to uh, keep Israel from moving into Gaza. We've heard suggestions about ceasefire. The Security Council, we heard, you know, at the uh, their their UN uh, the UN Security Council is meeting, and um, the word ceasefire has now been removed from a resolution. So uh, there were several attempts last week to push through a resolution calling for a ceasefire between Hamas and Israel, but the resolutions did not get enough votes because countries like the United States and the UK did not believe the wording of the resolution was explicit enough on Israel's right to defend itself, and it did not call out Hamas. And so the language has been molded in a weekend, over the weekend, uh, during uh, intense negotiations between the diplomats. No longer will the resolution call for a ceasefire. Instead, it calls for humanitarian pauses. See, they're totally different. But they want to have a humanitarian pause in order to allow aid to get into the Gaza Strip. The resolution, tabled by the Americans, is expected to condemn Hamas, demanded uh, to also to demand the release of hostages, affirm the Israeli right to self-defense, underline the protection of civilians, and call for humanitarian access, including humanitarian pauses. So this is coming from the Biden administration. And Mark Stone, uh, he does an analysis on this, and he says uh, to pay attention to um, how China and Russia vote. They have veto power, and they have both called explicitly for ceasefires. But the UAE, United Arab Emirates, they're on the Security uh, Council as well. They're in one of the rotating seats, which is weird. It just keeps like spinning around and around the table. It's just odd. But anyway, uh, they may play a key role in exerting pressure onto Russia and China to vote with the U.S. Don't know. Now, they say a pause is not a ceasefire. They say it helps to test the willingness of both sides to put civilian lives before everything else. And we have learned that, that Hamas does put civilian lives before certain things, like right in front of like their military operations, their rockets and such. They, they definitely put civilian lives in front of all that, like in front of their, their terrorists, in front of their tunnel entrances. So we do know that they have a history of this. We shall see. But the hope is that from these humanitarian pauses... Ceasefires may come. Yeah, we'll see. Well, this is a surprise. Hello, Winston. Good afternoon. Why, why, why are you listening to the show? Well, I uh, I posted Bond. No, you but- you said you said I have an awful show that I was not a good host, and you were never going to call again, and. I'm, so I'm curious to see you back on, on my call screen board. Well, 
uh, just a reminder, your show is so awful. Right, so why are you still listening? I wanted to call... No, no, Winston, why are you listening then if it's so awful? Because I think think Charlotte needs to hear my uh, input, my intellect. Oh, no, I don't. Sorry. (laughs) He called yesterday, too, and I just did not have time. No, we did not get disconnected, Winston. We did not get disconnected. You think that Charlotte needs to hear you. I disagree. And I get to control the phone board, so. Now, put him back on. Put him back on. I'll pick him up. It was on him. Okay, good. Yeah, because like I'll I'll tell him to his face. Like I, your your insanity does not need a bigger platform. So, um, and again, I advise Winston find another program to listen to. He doesn't like my show. He doesn't like me, but he wants to call in and use me to try to spew his stupidity to a larger audience. And I don't have to do that for you, Winston. See, that's how that works. Now, if you were to, you know, get into the radio business, you know, spend a whole bunch of years making, you know, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a year, working 70-hour work weeks, uh, and, you know, work your way up the ladder, hone your craft, learn a whole bunch about a whole bunch of stuff, which I assume you've already done that part. So, yeah, you could, you too could be a radio host. Or, you know, you could, here you go, here's some advice. You should start a podcast. The barrier for entry there is super, super low now. You can get the, uh, you know, the, the platform subscription fees are like just 30 or 40 bucks a month. You could buy yourself a board, uh, a microphone, get yourself a laptop. I mean, totally like, or you could even use your phone if you already have the smartphone. It's like you could go like total turnkey operation, maybe around 500 bucks, And then you could do a podcast and then you could spread your, your thoughts, your musings. You can spread them all over the place. And then if you're super popular, then maybe that would parlay into a gig on the radio station. But short of that, short of that, I'm not going to let you use my podcast and my radio show to spread your message because it's my show. Let's see what Josh has to say. Hello, Josh. Welcome to the program. How you doing today? Hey, I'm good, man. What's up? Good. I apologize about these uh, these left winger idiots. Oh no, <laughs> it's not your fault, Josh. And he's not. Winston isn't a left winger either. Uh, I'd have kept him on and talked with him for a good bit longer. Winston is just a conspiracy theorist uh, on everything, and uh, and he's you know and and he's uh, insulting as well. So, uh, de- definitely, man. I see it everywhere. But uh, one one reason why I did call it out, I just wanted to talk about you know what's going on Ham- or going on with Hamas yeah. and uh, Biden regime funding them as well. I think, me personally, I think that he's trying to propagate a war out of it. Um, he was unsuccessful in Ukraine, so this is a, a good pilot program for him. Well, it does, yeah, it it makes me wonder why they are so, and it's not just him, it's Obama, too. I mean, Obama put out a statement here, I've got, uh, they're so invested in propping up Iran, despite all of the all of the stuff that Iran has been doing, and um, and they've just, you know, released the money for Iran, and Iran has been funding these militias, the Hezbollah and Hamas and Islamic Jihad and the Houthis. And it, like, I don't understand 
why they are so wedded to this idea of Iran as the uh, as the the superpower or the or, or you know a counterbalance or something in the Middle East. I don't get it. But with that being said, though, it's, just, it's getting out of hand, in my opinion. Yeah, You're starting starting to see uh, a lot of these, and I'm going to call them this two insurrections that are pro Hamas, pro Palestine. Um, it, it's just getting out of hand. Well, the nexus, and I'm going to connect these dots. I started to do it yesterday. the The connection is Marxism. That's it's everything is viewed through the prism of oppressed and oppressor. Right. And so Israel has to be the oppressor. They must be. And so um, that that's why you have all of the alignment with these far left groups and the terrorists and Palestinians. It's like that's that that's the nexus point. Josh, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks. Uh, Good to talk with you. Um, So Obama. Yeah, here it is. He said Israel has the right to defend itself and denounce Hamas attacks on the country. But he warned. Any Israeli military strategy that ignores the human costs could ultimately backfire. Writing on Medium, Mr. Obama said that he fully supports Joe Biden's backing for Israel in going after Hamas, both to dismantle its military capabilities and to rescue hostages. But even as we support, sorry, this is uh, Barack Obama, but uh, even as uh, we support Israel, we should also be clear. That how Israel prosecutes this fight against Hamas matters. Mr. Obama said Israel's strategy should abide by international laws, including those that seek to avoid to every extent possible the death or suffering of civilian populations. That seeks to avoid. This is a point that a lot of people, I suspect like Winston, want to overlook. These are the same people that were talking about the proportionality. There has to be a proportionate response. And, like, you don't understand what you're talking about, a proportionate response to an enemy that wants to exterminate your entire population, a proportionate force, is to exterminate them. That's a response. That's a proportional response. Just as limiting civilian casualties is to, you are to seek to avoid death and suffering of civilian populations. You are to try. Israel tries. You may not think it's good enough, but you know what? It doesn't matter what you think. They are in an existential threat or a fight for their for their existence, right? That's that's it. This is it. It's either we win or we all die. And I was on the way in today, I was listening um the local uh NPR affiliate where I worked for a brief period of time as well. They um they were broadcasting. I think it's the BBC, and they had a couple of these. Uh, they had a couple of uh, intellectuals, you know, scholars that were on, and uh, they kept talking about the Palestinians' right of return, right of return. And what? And when the the host asked one of the experts, like, "What is that?" And, oh, you know, they want to go back to the 1948 borders and when they were uh, kicked off their land. And that was it. That was it. Here's here is the tell, okay? If you're reading something or you're listening to somebody and they mention any of the times when Israel took land and they don't tell you what precipitated the taking, then you know that they're apologists for Hamas or they're anti-Semites or both, right? They're trying they're trying to uh to omit the fact 
that Israel was invaded. Israel was attacked. Israel expelled the threat and took the land because that's what you do in war, folks. You take the land, especially if it's militarily valuable. You take the land that the people attacked you from. You get them out of there. You may not like that, but you know what? You try to set, They try to settle it with the diplomacy through the U.N., and that was rejected also. And then Israel got invaded again. So, and then they even gave back some of the land. They didn't even have to do that. They gave back the Sinai Peninsula. They didn't have to do that. Golan Heights, like you... Wait, did they give back the Golan Heights? I forget about that one. I think so. They're very tall from what I hear. Let's see here. I got a tweet. It's a Pete tweet from Tim who says, Pete, my opinion is that you do the best three hours of radio per day in Charlotte and beyond. So thank you. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. Um, This is from Mike uh, on proportional response. Every time Israel defended itself from a rocket attack with its Iron Dome, it should have been entitled to launch a rocket back. But Israel showed restraint. If proportional response is the correct approach, Israel owes Hamas a few thousand rockets in Gaza. Let her rip from Mike. <laughs> that's right. That would, yeah. Well, that, and, and that's usually when I, in the first days after the attack of October 7th, and they were like, oh, no, proportional response, everybody. I said, okay, so uh, how many women... Does Israel go in and rape? How many Gazan babies do they behead in front of their parents? Like, what's the... We got to get some firm numbers here. And while Hamas is always super, super fast on their death tolls for some reason, they, like, they know exactly how many people are killed by any Israeli or their own rocket attack. Um, they, uh, they, they come out immediately with the, with the death tolls, whereas it takes Israel, like, weeks, you know? wonder why that is. Maybe Gaza's just so far advanced. Maybe that's it. Anyway, Israel's military is ready and determined, they say, in awaiting political instruction for the next stage. By the way, the, the, the conventional wisdom here is that uh, Israel is being restrained right now by the U.S. That that's what's happening. They're, they're, they're talking to Israel and talking them out of a ground campaign going in. The Israeli prime minister has warned Lebanon and its militant group Hezbollah, or Hezbollah, however you prefer, that if Hezbollah makes the mistake of joining the war in a significant way, it will regret it, Benjamin Netanyahu said. Um, This was from uh, allisrael.com. Another day of low-intensity fighting along Israel's border with Lebanon. The IDF was busy repelling different kinds of attacks by Hezbollah terror forces. The Lebanese terrorist organization has gradually increased its attacks on Israeli military positions and civilian communities since the start of the war, um, to the point that most of the Israeli residents in towns close to the border have now been evacuated. The day began with Israeli airstrikes early in the morning against a Hezbollah compound and an observation post in response to attacks against Israel the day before. Israeli Air Force also successfully thwarted a terror cell near the Israeli border. Um, They shot down a suspicious aircraft that crossed into Israel from Lebanon. And then the Iron Dome aerial defense a few hours later shot down a drone over the Mediterranean Sea near Israel's northern city of Akko after it infiltrated from Lebanon. 
this afternoon, the IDF drones thwarted three Hezbollah cells in southern Lebanon. That means they killed them. The drones blew them up. Three different cells of terrorists attempting to shoot rockets at Israel near Mount Dove, and uh, they were eliminated. Um, a couple of them tried to shoot anti-tank missiles at Israeli targets. So, yeah, so Hezbollah up on the north side of Israel, uh, they're looking to get involved. And if that happens, Israel is going to lay waste to that entire border because they will have no choice. They'll have no choice. They, they, they cannot fight this kind of, you know, rocket here, Iron Dome there, this kind of constant rockets and, and, and infiltration of one or two cells and stuff. They're they're gonna they're just gonna devastate the area. So that's not good. Because then and that this is what Iran wants. And by the way, this is what Jordan Peterson gets into. Uh, he had a very good write up at the Telegraph, and um, and then he read it on his YouTube channel. So I've got some of the audio clips from that. We'll play it up next. Yeah. 